0: And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him, and kneeling before him, said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures, and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire, and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you.
1: Hi guys, I'm gonna start off today by doing something dangerous. I am going to tell you um, what I got for Nina, my wife, for Christmas. Uh, Now, Nina is something of an introvert, and uh, because I'm aware of that, um, I got Nina a trip to Brighton um, without the boys, um, but with a debit card. Uh, now for Nina, this is, this is heaven. Uh, what it meant for, for me was I would uh, look after our two boys, one aged seven months, one aged three years. And it was great. We, we, we got the chance to spend some, to be honest, much needed guy time uh, together. Uh, meanwhile, While I was at home with the the two boys of ours, Nina was somewhere in Churchill Square shopping centre, pirouetting uh, from shop to shop, free as a bird. Uh, There was was no car seat to eject. Uh, There was no pram to fold away. Uh, There were no demands, no duties, no dramas, no diapers. As Nina kind of went on, I kind of imagined... Uh, Ricky Martin kind of uh, shaking his hip somewhere in her honor. Uh, she, she was having the time of her life. On the way back, uh, I'm told that she listened to um, uh, some of her favorite songs. Apparently, Sean Paul, Just Give Me The Light came on. Uh, we we are of that generation. And, uh, and then she comes back. She arrives home. She puts her key in the door, turns the key. And waiting for her, uh, almost... Nose pressed against the door uh, was our son Zachary, and uh, as Nina literally puts her first step in the in the in the in the doorway, Zachary he he doesn't um, ask if she's had a nice time. He doesn't give her a hug, uh, nor does he offer to take her bags. Instead, the very first thing, literal first thing that Zachary says to Nina as she comes in the door is, "Can I have a biscuit?" Can I have a biscuit? Not, uh, hello, mummy. Can I have a biscuit? No, no, hello. Just, can I have a biscuit? Nina, a few moments ago, was in heaven. And now at this kind of request, she crashes right back down to earth with a bump in the twinkling of an eye. Nina, all of a sudden, is beginning to realize that she would be taking up once again. So many of the demands, the duties, the dramas, and the diapers. And that's something of what's going on in in this part of the the Bible here. Uh, We heard so wonderfully last week about how Jesus, after 30 years of earthly living, uh, true identity veiled, dazzling natural appearance hidden, Uh, Jesus would finally get a a few moments in his own skin. Uh, He would would be in his own culture. He would wear his own clothes. He'd speak about his own agenda. Uh, Jesus was transfigured. His face shone like the sun. And after such heavenly heights at the top of the mountain, uh, Jesus now makes his way down to the bottom of the mountain. And as Jesus gets there, he, he turns the key, opens the door and he hears, can I have a biscuit? As Jesus himself begins to realize that he would be once again, assuming all of the demands, all of the, the duties, all of the dramas and all of the diapers of the disciples, the demons and the descendants of Adam people like you and me and yeah yeah he he cries out lamenting our fallen state grieved at how just how different things are from for humanity from the humanity that he himself spoke into being in Genesis chapter one a a contrast probably exacerbated uh, by what he had just experienced Because in one fell swoop, Jesus went from from Shekinah to seizures. He went from from dazzling transfiguration to demonic manifestation. From, From disciples falling on their faces to a child falling in the fire. And it's interesting because Jesus... Uh, he's concerned about the boy, but it seems like he actually has a more primary concern than this demonized uh, young boy. He says this, he says, Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Jesus' primary concern is the lack of faith he's witnessing. Uh, when you consider that the scene, I mean, what we have is in this passage is we have a father that's on the verge of breaking down. We have the disciples are arguing amongst themselves as to why they couldn't cast out the demon. We have a crowd that is literally running to see the commotion, Mark chapter 9 tells us. And we have a boy that's demonically manifesting on the floor. All kind of at the same time. It's chaos. And Jesus Jesus picks this moment, this very chaotic moment, desperate moment to to start to bring some teaching. Jesus, Jesus, in the midst of chaos, decides to teach a little bit of a lesson. Oh, faithless generation. What Jesus does is he, 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 he actually brings a rebuke he tells off the, the, the dad, he tells off his disciples, and he tells off the world at large for a kind of, well, for weak faith. And you imagine the dad in this situation. He, he probably would have come to Jesus and said, okay, Lord Jesus, this, this isn't the time to rebuke my faith, to tell me off for kind of how I'm lacking faith. I've, I've been through a lot, okay? I'm stressed out of my mind. This is an crisis. I've been living with this for years. Lord, teach me after. Teach me the lesson after. Rebuke me after, but heal my boy. Please, this can't wait a second longer, Lord. But Jesus' first instinct is not to. It says the the demon made the boy do things. Reckless things. It says that the demon gave the boy seizures... And that he would often fall into the fire and into the water. But for Jesus, dealing with a person whose actions we fear might lead to their destruction is but one word away. For Jesus, dealing with even the reckless actions of people that we f- feel might be under a kind of dark, dark oppression, if you like, kind of darkness, is, is, is easy. Uh, It says here that the boy was healed instantly, healed instantly. Uh, It's because um, destruction of evil and deliverance from evil for Jesus is one word away. The the, the demon here, it it was gone in three seconds. But his beloved disciples, of whom he'd spent... Three years, the demon of doubt still persisted. That was the real challenge that Jesus was seeing that was manifesting. So the disciples came to Jesus afterwards, and they asked him, they said, "Lord, Master, Master, why, why couldn't we cast it out? You, you can imagine the disciples kind of in that conversation saying, "Rabbi' Uh, we understand earlier we, we, we didn't have enough faith. But, Master, when he came down the mountain, we, we wanted to ask you, why, why didn't you deal with the more pressing situation first? You imagine Jesus saying, I did. Because for Jesus, he's not overly concerned with how urgent. We might feel a situation is. I mean, he's not not concerned, but he's not necessarily concerned. That's why Jesus is willing to teach a lesson in chaos. Reminds me of the old saying, the, the old saying that goes, um, uh, "Give a man a fish, and he'll eat for today. Teach a man to fish, and he'll eat forever." That that's got something to it. Uh, but Jesus. He he might tweak it because Jesus is far more like teach a man to fish and he'll eat forever, and then give a man a fish and he'll be happy for today. Why? Well, because Jesus he he will he will rebuke you. Then you'll answer your prayer. A number of years ago, um, I remember being. Uh, 20 years old, and I think I, I'm the first person in history, perhaps, that went through a, a quarter life crisis. Um, I, I, uh, I couldn't afford the motorcycle, but I got the leather jacket instead. And um, what I'd convinced myself of was that um, turning 20, that my biological clock was ticking. And it was now or never for me to find a, a wife. Um I'm saying it now and I realize how stupid that sounds. Um, but that was the case. And, uh, and so Operation uh, Toby Wife uh, uh, began. Uh, and I uh, remember going into a club uh, not far from uh, here, centre of Brighton, uh, and uh, meeting a girl there. And uh, within about for, sort of 10 minutes of me kind of approaching her, um, uh, she could tell I needed Jesus. And she invited me to uh, this, this church and um, I, I, look i did I did my research I, I asked around, and I concluded that this place was the land of milk and honeys, uh, and so I decided to give it a try um, now, uh, the reality is for me um, in those days, this pursuit was an idol for me. It was an idol. And what an idol is, is it was, became my God. It became the most important thing really in my life. And everything um, kind of fell under that, uh, including God himself. And, uh, and this, this was a problem. I was the guy that would, I don't know, I was the guy that would uh, sing praises with two hands up and one eye open uh, just to see if there were any ladies looking in my direction. Um, I was that guy. Uh, and and I, I felt, I did feel that God, Jesus rebuked me. <laughs> I did feel a, a kind of a mild rebuke from him. It, it was kind of like, have you, are you coming here to meet someone or are you coming here to meet me? I, I then I then took my foot off um, the gas pedal of Operation Wife. Uh, not perfectly, mind you. I, I repented of my sin. I I got saved. I I got into a small group and committed to it. I I, I got baptized in water. A few months later, I met a girl called Nina. Jesus rebuked me. There was a faith response. And then he he answered my prayer. And I say not perfectly because uh, Mark chapter nine also contains uh, this account. Um, In Mark chapter nine, Mark adds a couple of extra details that are helpful for us in our discussion. Uh, This is what it says. It says that the father says this to Jesus. He says, If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If I can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. This man comes to Jesus in humility and confesses his unbelief, and Jesus still gives him what he wants. How gracious is Jesus? Nevertheless, uh, we we still we still can't get away from the fact that this guy has come to Jesus. He is. Um, Desperate. He is, as I say, probably stressed out of his mind. This has been happening to his son since uh, childhood, it says. And, and, and Jesus, he, he delays for a few moments anyway. He, he, he doesn't just delay. He would, he would rebuke the guy. Perhaps going through your mind is, isn't, isn't that just cruel? Cruel. I mean, if I, if I were Jesus, what I might do is, I, well, I, I would heal the boy first and then bring the teaching, if I were to bring any teaching at all. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. If you have your own children, no, you wouldn't. If you have nephews or nieces that you're particularly close to, no, you wouldn't. Because if you were to go to town uh, for five or six hours, you were to come back, turn the key, and your son were to say to you, can I have a biscuit, without saying hello, without um, acknowledging the fact that you've even been gone. If, if your response to your son in that moment would be something along the lines of, son, there's a way to ask for a biscuit. What you're doing is teaching your son to first be more effective in their asking and then later attending to his request you're actually doing things Jesus way around and while we're at it if we if we just think for a moment if if Jesus is rebuking your faith isn't that really him revealing his hand if a parent goes to their child and says Son, there's a way to ask for a biscuit. Don't you know what comes next? Surely the, the, the intentions of the heart are revealed in that statement. It's because the parent, because the parent wants to give you the biscuit, that the parent is now teaching you how to obtain, how to ask. Because, because the, they want you to have the biscuit. And what this means is that you have Jesus' attention, because, because you have shown to be rebuked, if, if Jesus is rebuking your faith, and where is your faith in delaying on the thing that you're praying for, means you've got his attention. This guy, he, he had some, a little bit of faith, this dad. He had faith to go to the people of God, the disciples. He had faith to uh, not give up in the face of disciple failure. He had faith to approach Jesus and seek him out for himself. He had faith to uh, literally uh, fall on his knees, to kneel down, it says. And he had faith to call Jesus his Lord. This guy had some faith. And I tell you, if this guy didn't show this faith and he saw Jesus uh, coming from right to left, and, and he didn't kind of show faith to get in his face, as it were, he would have literally saw Jesus move And move on. He would have missed his opportunity with Jesus. No, but this guy had some faith. He he got in Jesus' face. So that he could be rebuked. So therefore, in the rebuke is an encouragement. Because for you to get close enough to be rebuked. For you to have the grace of a rebuke. Shows that you've got his attention in the first place. I tell you, he wouldn't rebuke you if you had no faith. Jesus wouldn't. Not in this life. No, it, it says something profound. It means that, if I can put it this way, the little faith that you've shown, it's almost like you've, you've got Jesus by the cheeks and you've kind of moved his head to meet your gaze. That's, that's kind of what it's like to get his attention. What a shame. It would have been if this, if this man just, after all his persistence, just gave up. What a shame if, to the mild rebuke of, if I can, all things are possible for he who believes, the one who believes. What a shame if this man would have responded, said something like, who do you think you are? How, how can you speak to me like that? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know what my family have been through? And now you're delaying. Delaying what I need, what I want. Why should I follow you? I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to walk away. What a shame if that, this dear man would have done that. He would have missed out. He would have continued to suffer. His wife would have continued to suffer. His family would have continued to suffer because his son would have continued to suffer. And his son would have continued to suffer, likely for the rest of his life, which probably would have been short. What a shame it is when a child stops asking for a biscuit. Perhaps this is you. Perhaps you've stopped asking God for biscuits. And maybe maybe you've said, God never wants to give me the stuff that I really want. The, the, The thing that would really bless me. The thing that would make a difference in my life. He just never wants to give it to me. Dear friend, I tell you, you've misinterpreted Jesus' training of you. You've you've, you've got it upside down. It's it's not that God doesn't want to give you the biscuit, it's actually because God wants to give you the biscuit and He wants to give you many other biscuits that He's now training you in how to obtain. He he, he wants to give you the keys to the castle, He, he, He wants you to know how to ask in faith. So that you can have not just this biscuit, but the next biscuit and more biscuits and bigger biscuits and chocolateier biscuits and sweeter biscuits. That's the point of his training, because he wants more for you. He wants to give you biscuits as your faith grows. And this is what he means by when he says, when Jesus says, if you have, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there. And it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. Perhaps you've heard that. That, that I've just read. It means that if you, if you have the smallest, if you have the teensiest bit of faith, you can tell a mountain to move. And it will move. Perhaps you've heard that. Friend, it's not true. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. In fact, The whole story is about the opposite to that. (laughs) Remember, the disciples, they went up to Jesus and said to Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? What does Jesus say? He says, because, because of your little faith. Which means that Jesus is saying, because you have faith that's so small, you couldn't get the, the mountain of casting out this demon out. So, what does Jesus mean then? What, what, what's, he, what's he getting at when he says this? Where possible, where the Bible poses a question, where possible, it's best to let Scripture interpret Scripture, which means to, to go to another part of the Bible that answers the, another, the question that the Bible asked in the first place, if that makes sense. And, and earlier in, 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 in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 32, uh, Jesus speaks about the humble mustard seed, and he says this about it He says, It's the smallest of all seeds. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. Uh, Jesus then is talking about a faith that grows. A faith that in the beginning starts off small, like a mustard seed, the smallest grain of seed, the smallest, but grows big. It grows really big. And because, 1 Peter says this, because your faith is more precious than gold, Jesus is not afraid to seek to use the the strain of a crisis to, to test its genuineness. He's not afraid to use the strain of a crisis to refine it, to stretch it. Brothers, sisters, what's your biscuit? Is Jesus challenging your faith? Is he rebuking you? Is he delaying? Friend, let's respond like this, dear man. Come humbly, repent of your sin, which is your lack of faith. And say along with this man, I believe, I believe, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Because Jesus will rebuke you and then he'll answer your prayer. If you respond with a growing faith, and all patience but let 's let 's for a moment turn our attention to um, something in the passage that perhaps has been sticking out like a sore thumb for for, for some of us uh, watching and that 's the issue of uh, the demon or of demons in general and i 'll say this as a culture we, uh, we are kind of i suppose. There's a growing acceptance um, from millennials, I would say, and particularly from uh, those amongst Generation Z, Gen Z, of the uh, paranormal, the metaphysical, and the supernatural. Um, We see constantly, really, in TV, in music, um, in film, references to ghosts, crystals, tarot, psychics, horoscopes, otherworldly communication, uh, and many other things. Uh, These things have now become mainstream. It's fairly uh, common vernacular amongst uh, kind of, again, Gen Z, to, to speak about manifesting their dreams. Uh, the most popular show on the earth is, is Stranger Things, a program where a group of teenagers, a dark program, where a group of teenagers uh, are kind of obsessed with the disappearance of another teenager uh, who was abducted and taken into another universe by a demon. They then spend the rest of series one looking to uh, track down this demon and kill it themselves. Uh, clearly they haven't read Acts chapter 19 verse 14 uh, and the account of the sons of Sceva who actually had far more noble motives and got beaten black and blue by the demon. And I say this uh, because I guess these these... Some of these things that I've listed, some of these practices, they are they are highly spiritual, and for a Christian, they are highly problematic. And if if you've participated in any of the practices that I've listed or others that are like it, I'd encourage you to to come forward and, and get some prayer, make yourself make yourself known to us. Now, the reason I say this is because I guess. Um, when a scripture like this one is publicly read, uh, it seems like it would get, and it's getting fewer critics and cynics than it would have done perhaps 10 or 15 years ago. I think that's the case. Now, what's important and what's far more difficult for um, Western culture and Christian culture to hold is the relationship between the, the, the medical and the spiritual. Uh, Jesus here, he is confronted with a medical issue, a, a seizure. And Jesus, he, he determines that it has a, a spiritual root. And so he casts out a demon. Uh, there are other instances where Jesus is confronted with a, a medical issue. Uh, and he determines that the, the root is, 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 is physical, is, is, but not spiritual. So therefore, he doesn't cast out a demon. He heals them. Uh, these are two, two tools, if you like, that Jesus has in his in his toolbox. Uh, the aim of both is to restore. That's Jesus' heart to restore the person. Nevertheless, the diagnosis is vital because it's the difference between healing and the difference between delivering. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 10, uh, speaks of a, a, a lesser known gift that is great, greatly helpful in these matters. It's, it, it, it's, 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 it is really important, um, but we don't talk about it so much. It's, it's the gift of distinguishing between the spirits, and, and that is greatly needed in, in these days, and I'm sure it will be needed increasingly, actually, as the days draw on. Now, that's not me saying that every person that's ever had a, a seizure is oppressed by the demonic. I am not saying that. I'm not. But what I am saying is, if you believe the Bible is the the word of God, or if you believe that Jesus was a a miracle worker that knew what he was doing, or if you've watched season one of Stranger Things, you will believe that there are some cases that will be exactly that. Just like this. And, and, And which could lead people to, jumping to everything is a demon and to believe everything is a demon is, is, is laughable <laughs> because Jesus didn't but likewise to believe that nothing is a demon is just as laughable because Jesus didn't <laughs> what we need then is we need wisdom we need wisdom great wisdom in these matters but Toby, the, 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 the really faithful Christians, that the ones that really know God, they'd be the ones that, that pray these things through. You're talking about having faith that grows. Surely, if you have enough faith, you just pray it and it will go, right? It, like the really faithful Christians would, would that that's where they would land. To which I'd say, um, okay, if that was the case, um, no one would ever die. <laughs> And I'd also say this, the kingdom is now and not yet. I wish I could unpack that, there isn't the time, but uh, let me put it to you like this. If that were the case, then the Apostle Paul isn't a faithful Christian, because on the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys, he took with him a GP. Why? Because he was smart. He took with him uh, Luke, Dr. Luke, who, who was a medical practitioner, and Luke would undoubtedly have helped Paul um, and offered him medical assistance through his beatings, his floggings, his shipwrecks and his stonings. Now that didn't deter Paul or Luke um, from their expectation of the miraculous uh, by no means. It was the same medical practitioner, Luke, that was the one that would write and account and carefully document the 29 signs, wonders and miracles in the 28 chapters of the book of Acts, which he, Luke, the doctor, authored. Well, what are we to make of these things then? Well, uh, Luke clearly was a balanced person. He, he was a person that believed in, in, in signs, wonders, and miracles, absolutely. But he was also a person that believed in the gift, gift of God through medicine and science and GPs. And uh, this, 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 this is important for us to, to hear. Therefore, to, to go to your GP, uh, your physician, if you like, with every and any medical issue is absolutely right and appropriate and it's absolutely right and appropriate to go to Jesus, the great physician as well, because to do both regards both sources. And I'll end with this. Lastly, who are you in this passage? Who who, who do you most relate to? Perhaps you relate mostly to the father here, uh, the father who is being um, rebuked for his faith in the midst of a crisis, perhaps you relate more to uh, to to the disciples maybe you 've been praying for someone, praying for people, praying for a situation, and it just it 's just not happening and you 're baffled as to why why is isn 't this happening? maybe you don 't relate to the the dad and maybe you don 't relate to disciples, maybe you relate more to the crowd maybe you 're not a christian, and like the crowd you 're looking in on these kind of wacky christians and the things that they teach and 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 how they interact with one another maybe well jesus has something to teach every camp uh, through this passage i believe but i will say this the person that you are most like is this poor demonized very much loved little boy Because all of us are in need of the greatest deliverance of all. All of us. Jesus will deliver you from yourself. He'll deliver you from your hang-ups, your sins. He'll deliver you from lust. I tell you, that that does cause seizures. It's kind of like the boy. You kind of lose control of your kind of body. There's a lack of self-control. You kind of come to and you're like, why did I do that? Jesus can deliver you. Jesus will deliver you from the fear of rejection. It says, it says that the, the boy often fell into the water. What well, the fear of rejection can often get people into hot water. You find yourself doing reckless things or, or even foolish things, things that you think, oh, I know that's probably not right. That's probably not sensible. I probably, I probably shouldn't do this or go that way. But you do them anyway. You kind of like lose, lose. It's like a seizure. You you, you do it to, to please your the boys. You do it to please your boss. You do it to please your boyfriend. Jesus can deliver you. And the way he does it is like this. Again, it says the boy would fall into the fire and often into the water. Uh, but Jesus uh, would would be the one that for you would go through, the, go through hell and the high water of the cup of the wrath of God against your sin. Jesus, like the father in this story, would be an advocate that would, would speak up and speak on behalf of the children, the child. Uh, Jesus would, 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 would do it by, like the father, being willing to be publicly humbled, Publicly rebuked even to a cross. And Jesus would, as a result, divert the punishment that was due to you and receive it for himself. I tell you, friends, at the cross, Jesus would become your representative. At the cross, Jesus would disarm and defeat the darkness. At the cross, Jesus would secure for you your forgiveness. At the cross, Jesus would rebuke the great demon, Satan. At the cross, Jesus would rebuke the, the, the monster that is your sin. At the cross, Jesus would rebuke the, the thug that is death. He would take them all out along with himself and then be raised from the dead. And as a result, if you believe in him, if you've given your life to him, you can bring to Jesus your cares and problems. You can bring to Jesus your chaos and your suffering. You can bring to Jesus your demons and your dreams. Don't be discouraged, dear friend. You've got his attention. It's time to say once again, Lord Jesus, can I have a biscuit? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we we thank you, Lord for your training of us. We thank you that your heart behind it is, is for more, more biscuits, to obtain more, to inherit more through faith and patience. Hebrews chapter six, verse 12. And Lord, we, we do ask that you would help us to learn and notice when you're tapping us on the shoulder. Help us to know when you're wanting us to wrestle you. Help us not to miss it or misinterpret it, Lord, for the sake of our joy and your glory.